Today's scripture reading is found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. I'll be reading from the ESV. Hear the word of the Lord. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Trinity Church. It's good to see you again. Um, this has been a tough time, hasn't it? Uh, I haven't been with you guys in weeks, and so it is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to be in this place again. This morning, what I want to do is I want to celebrate the church with you. And when I say the church, I don't want you to just think about Trinity, but I want you to envision all the other countless churches that are meeting together this morning. All around the world today, there will be gatherings of saints and saved men and women and children will be gathering together. And when saved men and women gather together to praise God and learn about our risen Lord Jesus, it is beautiful. I fear that in these past few months of staying home, some of us may have been able to lose sight of how wonderful this is, how beautiful this gathering of the saints is in the world. And I fear that um, because of the coronavirus, we can lose sight of how beautiful the church really is. And I mean, think about it. It's easy, right? We, we've been at home and we haven't been coming. And, uh, you know, we, we can kind of drift away from the awe of the bride of Christ that we should have. We've tried. We've tried to remain in fellowship But, you know, it's just not the same, is it? It's just not the same. This morning, what I want to to do is I want to remind all of us that the church that Jesus established is beautiful. We need to remind ourselves often of what it is that we are to do here. What is it that the church is to be about? What is it that we have been called to do? What is the goal that we have been called to accomplish? And when we are faithful, the church is beautiful. Today, I want to invite you to celebrate with me the beauty of the church. Now, if you've been watching the news at all this week, you've been seeing this rioting and protesting and all the stuff that's going on. You've seen destruction and hopelessness. You've seen lawlessness and pain. You've seen despair and depravity. Over 20, what I saw last night is over 20 U.S. major cities have had rioting and protesting and big stuff. I think in Atlanta there was a state of emergency called. 
Political and racial tensions get hotter and hotter. And to me, it seems as though these tensions are getting hotter and hotter and they grow and grow in the recent years. Guys, the problem with the world is sin. And the church is given the responsibility for spreading the news that there is a cure. And it's Jesus Christ. Watching these events unfold this week has helped me see the importance of the church. And I pray that we don't lose sight of this. Ultimately, it is the church's job to protect and spread the truth of the gospel. What you and I have seen the world offer to us this week is ugly. That's what we've seen this week. It's ugliness. The world's offerings will always leave a path of destruction. But what the church has to offer is beautiful. It offers life. So this morning, let's pray and we'll enter in. Father God, I pray that this morning honors you. God, I pray that, I pray that we are able to see the gloriousness of your church and of your bride, and that we appreciate her. We're so thankful for her. God, I pray that you are lifted high in this place and all over the world this morning. God, calm my heart and allow me to speak the words of truth that you would have for our church to hear. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So our text this morning, Ephesians 3, uh, 20 and 21 is our main primary verses. And it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So they tell me that it all started back in my mama's tummy. Um, when my mom was pregnant with me, she played church softball, and she was an avid church softball player. And some of you guys remember back in the heyday of church softball, and that stuff was nuts. Um, they, these guys took it serious. And um, so before I was even born, I was attending uh, church events. Within the first seven days of me being on this rock, on this planet, I was in church. It was, church was what I knew growing up. Um, I mean, it was where I always were. It was where I grew up. I learned to make things like Pinewood Derby cars. And those of you that may know RAs and GAs, yes, I was a part of that. And uh, I also learned during these competitions, and bet you guys didn't know this, but Christians sometimes cheat and bend the rules to win. Um, but uh, I will never forget that. I should have won. <laughs> um, it was at church that I made my first real friends, and some good and some bad. It was at church that I learned to serve. And my family, we were always doing something. I remember one time um, that uh, we were over there mowing grass. I also learned that you can't take the old red snapper riding lawnmowers up a steep hill because it will fall over. Um, my dad is just fine. But um, it was at church that I heard my mother sing the old Sandy Patty songs. It was at church that I heard my grandmother, I can still hear, sing the great hymns of faith. I come to the Garden of Alone. It was one of her favorites. It was at church that the Lord used Sunday school teachers 
to teach me that I needed a Savior. It was at church that I surrendered to the Lord in repentance and faith. It was at church that I was plunged under the baptismal waters. It was at church that the Lord grew me and fashioned the passions that are within me. It was at church that I learned that I'm not good at theater. And if any man ever comes up to you and says, hey, you'd be a great shepherd, just turn around and, and walk away. Even if it's Christmas time, you don't need to be in that play. So, yes, we learn things like that in church. It was at church that I was kept out of trouble. It was also at church that I got into the most trouble. It was at church that I received my greatest gift besides salvation, my incredible wife. It was at church that I got married to my best friend and watched her walk down the aisle to me. It was at church that my wife and I were comforted during the years of our infertility. It was at church that my wife and I were loved and cared for in our most difficult times. It was at church that I heard sermons that I didn't want to hear, but I so desperately needed. It has been at church that I have been disciplined and held accountable for my actions. It has been at church that I have seen relationships reconciled and, and mortal enemies become friends. And only Christ can do that. It has been at church that I've seen families restored and addictions overcome. It has been at church that I've seen pastors and godly men protect women and young children from abuse. It has been at church that I've seen people in the community run to when life has just gotten too hard and ending it seems to be the only choice. I've seen the church rise to the occasion and offer hope. It's been at church that I've seen the hungry fed and unexpected bills paid for people, and a car purchased for someone whose engine just blew and didn't know how they were going to take care of their grandkids. It has been at church that I have seen people, the people of God, celebrate newborn babies and dedicate them to the Lord. And I've seen the church celebrate milestones like the one that we did this morning with graduation. It has been at church that I've seen the saints gather to pray for God to heal someone who just got terrible news from a doctor. It's been at church that I've seen God heal people. And it has been at church that I have seen godly men and women die beautifully, die honorably, die with hope in the Lord. It has been at church that I've said my last goodbyes to loved ones. It's been at church that I've seen caskets closed for the last time. It's been a church that I've experienced the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. It has been the saved church of Jesus Christ that has gotten me through it all. And it has been the gathered saints of Jesus Christ that has gotten me through life. It is the church that the Lord has called me to serve. Me. And one day, God willing, at the end of a life given to his bride, I too will have a casket down here. But I won't be here. I will be with my Lord. I will be with my Father. Why do I tell you my story? Why do I tell you this? Because Trinity, listen to me. The church is beautiful. The church is gorgeous. Because the church matters. What we do here, it matters. 
It matters to this community. It changes lives. It changes this world. It has forever changed my world and will forever continue to change this world long after I'm gone, long after you are gone. This church will continue to change the world. The church matters, and God forbid that we ever lose sight of this. God forbid that we lose sight of how beautiful and glorious this church is when she is faithful. Now, that's my story, but every one of us in here that are saved, we have our own story. And sitting right here where you are, answer these questions in your heart. Do you love the church? Have you missed meeting together with your church during this time? Have you missed corporate worship? Have you missed the fellowship with other believers? Have you missed the church? If you have missed the church, it's a good thing. If you have missed your church, it is a good thing. The Lord never intended for us to be isolated from each other, but to live our lives in fellowship with one another. During this pandemic, it was only good, right, and wise for us to follow the advice of those who are experts and tell us to to be careful. And certainly, we need to be wise as we transition out of this, right? We definitely need to be wise there. Come on, I'm excited. Aren't you excited? about the possibility of this coming back to something that looks like normal, where we can fellowship in fullness with each other again? I'm excited about that. I've missed it. I know that I'm, Jeff talked about this last week, that it's so good to hear the, the praises, the, sing, the song, the singing of the saints when we're all gathered together. And I know Jason and and Jeff and Charles and I, we've talked about this. And it is beautiful when you can hear the saints sing praises to the Lord. Guys, I've missed that. It's good to see it online, but it's great to experience it together. You see, many people think that church assemblies or church gathering is just something that we do, right? But for the church, us gathering together is what we are. It's not what we do, it's what we are. Every time you see the word church in the New Testament, it comes from the Greek word ekklesia. And it's a compound word. So you have ek and you have kaleo. Ek means out of and kaleo is called. You put this together. It literally means the called out ones. That's you and me. The word ekklesia in the Bible means gathering or assembly. Listen, you and I, desiring to come back and assemble together. And we do this not because it's what we do, but because it is who we are and whose we are. By definition, we are the called out ones who gather or assemble together. And because we are saved, we are born again in Jesus Christ. Hungering to be with other believers is who we are. It's part of our DNA. It's not just something that we do. So, If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to it in 1 Corinthians 6. What I want to do with the remaining time that we have together is uh, I want to look at three thoughts that should excite us all about the beauty of the church. And, And there is so much that can be said about the church, and certainly I will be leaving out very important stuff, but here are three ideas that should excite you about the church. The three ideas is the church saves lives. 
The church is the pillar and foundation of truth. And the church is eternal. First point, the church saves lives. If you are here listening to this today, you have experienced this firsthand. If you are saved, you have experienced that the church saves lives. It is through the atoning work of Christ that we are saved, but it is the church that is commissioned with the task of spreading that message. And if you are here at some point, that message has come to you. You've responded to the gospel in repentance and faith, and you too have become part of the body of Christ. And ultimately, we know that Jesus saves lives, but it is the church, his bride, that he uses to accomplish his work. The church, as it, is, as it spreads the message of salvation through Jesus Christ, it saves lives. And I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 6. And let me give you some background to this passage, because it may be important in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks a lot about the church. The word church in 1 Corinthians is actually used 25 times. That's more than any other New Testament book. So we know that that's a key thing that Paul is trying to talk to the uh, Corinth church about. And all throughout the book, Paul is talking to the church and reminding them that now that they are saved, their lives should look different. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, Paul reminds the church of the many things that they were saved from. So let's read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And such were some of you. These are amazingly beautiful words. Such were some of you. But you and I have been saved. We were washed and sanctified and justified. Don't miss how important Paul's words are here. Paul gives us a brief list of sins, right? And the assumption is that he was talking to a people that have been saved from sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, thievery, homosexuality, greed, drunkenness, abusiveness, dishonesty. That's the list that he gives, right? The people in the Corinthian church were washed from these things in this list. Part of the beauty of the church, listen to this, part of the beauty of the church is that it is not made up of people with a clean record. No, the church is made up of people like you and me, sinners. Sinners who have been washed, sanctified, and justified. Sinners. Listen to what R.C. Sproul says on this, and it's so helpful. For a Christian to be a Christian, he must first be a sinner. Being a sinner is a prerequisite for being a church member. The Christian church is one of the few organizations in the world that requires a public acknowledgement of sin as a prerequisite or a condition for membership. That's who we are. Now think back to the 1 Corinthians 6 passage and the list of sins, and it says, such were some of you. 
Could it not also be truthfully said of us that such were some of us? Dear Christian, I want you to think back to what you were washed from. Think back to your previous ways. Have you been sanctified? Here is the good news, and and here is why the church is so beautiful. Guys, we all get in the same way. It's through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is not one of us here that deserves to be here on our own merit. The message of Jesus was given to sinners and not the righteous. Look at Luke 5, 31 through 32. We're going to be jumping around to a lot of scriptures, so you may not have time. It's okay, they'll be on the screen. Luke 5, 31 through 32 says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus heralded a message of salvation from sin and judgment. This too is the church's message. If our community or world only hears one thing from Trinity, let it be that there is salvation in Jesus Christ to the worst of sinners. There is salvation in Jesus Christ for anyone who wants to repent of their sins and place their faith in Jesus Christ. And our world, our community needs to hear that. Let our message be, come, join us. We're not perfect, but we worship a God who is. We too, we too were were some of the worst of sinners. And you too can be washed and sanctified and justified because of Jesus Christ alone. We join the same way and Jesus can and will save you. Come join his church. Come join his body. One of the things that makes the church so beautiful is that we are just a big collection of sinners saved by Jesus Christ. And individually, sorry to say this, we're really not that pretty, right? But our Savior is gorgeous. And in here, it's not us that we lift high, but Him. It's Him that we lift high. We don't have much to offer, but we do have Jesus. And He's gorgeous. Mm. The church is beautiful because our message saves lives. The church is the pillar and foundation of truth. The way that the, this is the second point, the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. The way that the church saves lives is through the proclamation of the gospel, through the proclamation of truth. The church is the protector of this truth. Our founder, Jesus, claimed to be the truth, John 14, 6. Look at 1 Timothy 3, uh, 14 through 15. Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God. And then he clarifies, in the household of God, and then he says, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. Guys, the pillar and foundation of truth, that sounds really important, doesn't it? It is. It is really important. And so if we look at the words of Scripture, it says the church is the pillar, the foundation of the truth. This is monumental. This is what we are to be doing. This is what we are to protect. So Paul wrote these words to the Ephesian church. And the people in Ephesus 
would not have missed what Paul is getting at. Let me explain. We have a, we have a slide up here. In Ephesus stood one of the seven wonders of the world. It was the temple of Diana. And we have a slide up here, a picture. One of the main features of this temple was its pillars. This was in Ephesus. Not only were these pillars huge, there was 127 of them. And every pillar was made of marble, and it contained jewels and gold inlay. The people Paul was writing to, they knew about pillars. Their community was incredibly known for their incredible pillars. Every pillar had marble and jewels and gold. They were beautiful. Often an image of a famous person or king would be placed at the top of these pillars. And when men was appro- were approaching the temple from far off, they could see these images In other words, these pillars held up something very, very important. Paul is telling the Ephesian church, you are the pillar of something far more important than any one of Diana's pillars. You are holding something up far more important. Verse 16, it says, great indeed. This is the next verse. Great indeed, if we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. What we read here is an early confession of the church. And this statement of faith taught great truths about who Jesus was. Now, don't miss what Paul is saying right here. Paul is telling the Ephesian church that the church is to uphold the full truth of who Jesus was, is, and will be. And when the church confesses the full truth of who Jesus is and everything that he taught, it is beautiful. In fact, it's so beautiful, according to Paul, that one of the seven wonders of the world has nothing that compares to the church's beauty when she exalts her Savior and her King. The church is beautiful when we proclaim the truth. The problem is, is that we as mortal men, we often get into the way. We get in God's way. The point of today's message is to talk and celebrate about the beauty of the church. So I'm not going to get into the shortcomings of the church, but the church in America definitely has some weaknesses. One of the biggest weaknesses we find in church today is a lack of confidence in Scripture. Many churches are at times so results-driven that sadly, the proclamation of the full truth of the gospel fades into the background of what they do. They're so busy. And this fading is slow, and it usually starts with the best of intentions. But in the end, the end result is that programs become more important than the proclamation of the gospel. Seeing the results can become more important to being faithful to Scripture. R.C. Sproul helps us again here. He says, I think that the greatest weakness in the church today is that almost no one believes that God invests His power in the Bible. Everyone is looking for power in a program, in a methodology, in a technique, in anything, in everything, but that in which God has placed it, His Word. He alone has the power to change lives for eternity. And that power is focused 
on the Scriptures. Trinity, our primary duty as the church is to proclaim the truth that is found in Scripture. That is what we are to be about. The saving power of God is found in His Word. The Bible tells us this in Romans 10, 17. It says, So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Now, so here's how this works. If we want people to be saved, we must preach the truth that's contained in God's Word. Preaching and teaching the truth of God's Word is how God saves His people. This community, Marble Hill, Georgia, Jasper and Tate, it needs us to be the pillar of truth. And when we are faithful to proclaim all that is in Scripture, we are unleashing God's power to do His work right here. And that's beautiful. And you and I have been invited to be a part of it all. Before we move on to our final point, I want, you, I want to leave you with this thought. Now, we know from Scripture that the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. And since we know that men must hear our message, the message, to be saved, let me ask you, what happens? What happens when the church is silent? What happens when the church no longer proclaims its message? What happens? What would the world look like with a silent church? The silent church is not beautiful. Partly what makes the church beautiful is its message. And if it's not proclaimed, it's not beautiful. Listen to what Romans 10 says here. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We know that and we trust that. But how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, listen, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. The church is beautiful when she preaches the good news. The church that is the pillar of foundation of truth is beautiful. Finally, the church is eternal. The final point for today is that the church is beautiful because it is eternal. Our message has never, and with God's preservation and protection, it will never change. One of the most beautiful things about church is that it never has to really invent anything new, right? Like we contextualize things for culture and for people, but the message of salvation in Christ never changes. The fact that our message should never change is such a freeing thing for pastors and teachers in the church. We don't have to come up with anything new. We're called to be faithful to the message, in Jude 3, that was once for all delivered to the saints. Once for all. There's no inventing of anything new. The hope for the preacher or teacher within the church is not in his own abilities, but in the eternal word of God. One of the things that I enjoy 
and my guilty pleasures is I enjoy a good TED Talk. And I know some of you guys know what TED Talks are. Um, they're speeches by men and women who are considered to be experts in their field. And some of what is discussed is very, just fascinating. Um, you can tell that these speeches are carefully crafted and masterfully presented. Um, there's thousands upon thousands of them, and you can get lost in it. And as I was preparing this message, something Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, it just hit me. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. My words, Jesus says, will last forever. Trinity, sermons are not good TED Talks. The message of the church is not just a fascinating story and speech that comes out of an old book. The message of the church is the only thing that will last because it is God's word. It is supernatural in origin. The words of God bring life. The only message that will last is the one that the church is responsible to proclaim. And what we do here and what we talk about here should be eternal. Now, if you look back at our primary passage for today, it's in Ephesians 3, 21. Paul prays that, that Christ will be glorified in his church. But let's look at what led up to this. In chapter 3 of Ephesians, Paul talks about the message of the gospel and all of its benefits, how man can be made right with God through Christ, and even the Gentiles are included into this mystery. Paul then talks about his ministry and how his, uh, his passion is to bring light to all these mysteries. Then in verse 10, Paul says this. He says, so that through the church, catch this, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This is important. Church, listen, Paul is saying that the grand design of the church to be the one who reveals the manifold wisdom of God. We are to reveal the mystery of the gospel to everyone, everywhere, and for all times. That is our job. This duty of the church was not an afterthought of God. It was, it was his plan throughout all of eternity for his bride, his church. Look at verse 11. Verse 11, this next verse, it says this, meaning his plan for the church, this was according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Eternal purposes. The church and the task God has given to us was not just a good idea that God came up with at Pentecost. It was his, his plan for the church was eternal. It was to be our task. As we close, I want you to look at what Paul says later in chapter 3. Now to him, this is chapter 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.
May God be glorified in His church, in this church, forever, throughout all generations. Trinity, this world has so much to offer us. This world has so many things that can occupy your time and mine, things that can take over our minds. In the world, there are so many enjoyable activities that you and I can spend our lives pursuing. But the things of this world will not last. What we do here, what we do here, it will last forever. It will last forever. So on Tuesday this week, Kristen and I celebrated our 13th uh, wedding anniversary. And uh, we had a wonderful day. It was topped off by a couple members of Trinity bringing us some good food, our whole family, which includes teenage boys, so they put a lot into that. Um, Brought us some food, and it was just a wonderful meal. But that's not all. They painted a beautiful picture and brought my wife some flowers. I'm just so thankful for this church, so thankful for, for this. You know, gearing up for... Um, our anniversary, my kids and I, we were sitting there looking through some old pictures. And um, so I had them all together and I was putting them, I had them all together in my office. And um, early Tuesday morning, I was looking at these pictures. And as I thumbed through them, I was struck and reminded of how beautiful, just absolutely gorgeous my bride was. The most beautiful things that these eyes have ever seen walked down the aisle to me. Her hair was perfect. Her dress was just breathtaking. Her smile was captivating. I was paralyzed. My wife was beautiful. And Trinity, I want you to hear this. Jesus feels the same way about his bride. Jesus feels that way and way more about his bride, his church. His bride is beautiful and he will never, ever, ever leave her. For all eternity, Jesus will love and care for his bride. We have a promise that throughout all generations and forever and ever, Christ will love his bride. Trinity, let me ask you a question. Is the church beautiful to you? I pray that you are excited about serving her. I pray that there is a hunger inside your soul to be with her and that you want to care for her. Trinity, what we do here, it matters. What we do here is beautiful for this community. Just think about what happened with the the pregnancy center this week. What we do here matters. When we are faithful to God's true, eternal message, lives are forever changed, and the church will show its true beauty. What happens in the church will last into eternity. Where else would we want to focus our efforts? Where else would we want to invest our time? I I, I pray that you love the saints gathered together, because that's what the church is. 
What an amazing privilege it is to serve the church. And I pray that you are getting excited about coming back together with her. The church, Trinity, the church of Jesus Christ. She is beautiful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you have given the world a blessing through your church. It is only when we are faithful to do the things that you have called us to do that lives are changed, communities are changed. Father, I pray that we are faithful people. I pray that we are a people that long to do just exactly what you have asked us to do. I pray that we are a people that desire to see our community saved. I pray that we are a people that that get excited about this being an eternal place. And I pray that we're a people that understand that your truth is eternal and we are the pillar. We are to be the pillar and foundation of the truth. And that means we, we must invest in your word. Father, give us a heart. Give us a heart to serve your bride. Give us a passion and, and an excitement. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for the gift that you have given to us in this wonderful fellowship, the church. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.